You were born with individual strengths and a unique purpose. Don't let fears, false beliefs, or life's happenings diminish your influence. It's time to live and lead for impact. Host Kirsten Ross, expert of transformation, will help you defeat the drama and overcome the trauma that can stop you in your tracks. You'll gain focus, find confidence, and take bold action. Unleash passionate, purposeful you. Let's go. Welcome to Live and Lead for Impact. I'm Kirsten Ross, your host and also founder of MyImpactAcademy.com, which I'll be telling you a bit about more at the end of the show. This is episode 279, and I've got Becca ribbing today. And she is the author of the Clarity Journal and has been a coach for over a decade. She's on a mission to help people break out of the cycle of uncertainty and struggle that hold them back. She helps women going back and forth with the big, seemingly endless question of what to do next so they can stop going around in circles and finally figure out what they truly want and create the clarity and momentum they crave. Welcome, Becca. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, well, I'm really excited. You're doing such important work. I know so many people people struggle with, you know, the things that you're helping, like gaining clarity is so important. How can you have tenacity if you're uncertain? So I'm really looking forward to diving into your work today. Yeah. You, you know, that point is just so important. I think without clarity, you can't have momentum. You just, you end up holding yourself back. And so I love this topic too. And I'm really happy to be here talking about it. Yeah. I know you have people picture the babbling brook versus the fire hose. Like if your focus is all over the place or you're kind of waffling back and forth, or like, I'm going to do this or that, or, you know, and also the energy that we put towards uncertainty and, and the time and the questioning and maybe having missteps, or I guess we don't have to call them missteps, but steps that aren't in the ultimate, yeah, the ultimate direction that you'll end up going. So tell me more about your work and what impact you're helping to make in the world. Yeah. So the clarity journal came actually when I was in my own moment of uncertainty, I was really going back and forth myself about what I wanted to do to move forward. I have been a career coach for many, many years, but I hit this point in my own journey where I was wanting a bit of a change and I had was just coming out of kind of a dark spot. I had moved cross country in my third trimester with my second child. (laughs) And I think as that indicates probably a lot of chaos. (laughs) And I also had a hip injury. And then my second child was, had lots and lots of ear infections, was constantly in and out of daycare. It, It was just like this messy, messy time. And we all go through those times and we go through those times, we strip out everything that's not needed. And so It's funny because when I was in the middle of it, I almost didn't even notice it because I was just trying to get through. And when it really started hitting me was actually when things started getting better. And I was doing what we always do. I was complaining to a friend, like, what do I want to do? I really stopped marketing myself. I let go of a lot of things I love, namely writing. And I don't know how to re-get my focus, regain my direction. And she was great. She stopped and she's like, Becca, you're a coach. You literally do this every day for other people. What do you do? And, you know, we all have those friends and they're wonderful, but it made me stop. And I was like, 
I hate you right now. You're right. So we got off the phone and I went and wrote like probably 35 prompts that I use to help other people get unstuck. And as I was writing them down and then answering them for myself, I was just realizing how important it is to get out of your own head when you're in the middle of a cycle of uncertainty. Because when you're in your head, you almost always have, you almost call them negative mantras. Mine is, I don't know. Like if I am in the middle of being stuck and not sure, I will just like almost reflexively tell myself, I don't know. And sometimes I'll even catch myself being like, oh no, I actually do know. I know the answer to that question. I think other people, I've heard people say that they tell themselves, is this good enough? Or, or sometimes like their mantras end up becoming like their mother's voice or a negative boss that they didn't like's voice. And so whatever that is that in your own mind, you start kind of looping through and cycling through and not being able to make those decisions soundly and strongly. I think it's really important to like get outside of yourself and take more of an observer role. Like what's going on? What are my strengths? What do I love? Like really help yourself like move past the problem so that you can see the big picture. And that's really like kind of my sweet spot. I think all of us can definitely relate to that story that you told as you said, like we've all had those moments and the visual I always share that I think of when I have been in those moments is you're standing on the edge of a field and that field is the big unknown. And you know I always say if the decision is pending, you know that the current circumstance isn't the right answer because otherwise you wouldn't be questioning it. So now it's like getting clear about what you want kind of in that field and how do you move into the field out of off the edge? Like that time is so difficult, that time of uncertainty and the swirling and the questioning. So I love that you have steps that people can take to gain that clarity, to kind of move into that next space. So when you think back to the people that you've helped, what is one particular impact that really comes top of mind and fuels your own passion for continuing to do this work? You know, I, It happened, it was a really formative memory of mine. I was spending the summer in Chicago with my grandparents. I did this most summers. I'd spend a couple of weeks and my grandfather was picking me up from a friend's house on his way home from work. And this is probably in the nineties at some point, but he had an old beat up car. Pretty sure he didn't have air conditioning. (laughs) I just remember it being hot and muggy and oppressive. And I love my grandfather. I had a great relationship with him, but I get into the car and he starts going on and on about how he doesn't like his job. And he didn't do that very often. I think I might've asked him, Hey, how did your day go? And I was just like, Oh, you know, these people, I, you know, I don't like it. This isn't fun. I don't know. I'm using like the words of a like 11 year old. Cause that's my memory. And he, I, I stop and I'm like, Oh, well, why don't you get another job? And he looks at me like I'm an idiot. Like, that's not what we do. We have this job. I'm 59. I'm going to have this job until I retire in a couple of years and then I'll be happy. (laughs) And it really struck me as so unnecessary and sad. And I think that honestly, I've spent my entire life trying to help people not be in that situation. Yeah. And, you know, and, and during that time, that was kind of the main 
way that people did things in today's world, it doesn't work that way anyway. So you might as well love what you do (laughs) because I feel like on either side, there isn't that sense of loyalty, like that you're going to have your entire career in one spot. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. It Um, doesn't, but I'm going to say, I think that there is a part of us that still holds on to that 1950s mentality, because when you talk about life purpose, a lot of time people think about life purposes, like what am I going to do for the next 20, 25 years. And it's a ton of pressure to put on yourself instead of like thinking about life values and thinking about, oh, what challenge do I want to tackle for the next year or two or the next year or three? And I think that sometimes that 1950s mentality still creeps in and actually also adds to that deer and headlights feeling like, is this the right choice? Because it has to be the right choice forever. When in reality, no choice is going to be the right choice for the rest of your life. You're going to grow, you're going to change, you're going to take these experiences that you're gaining and then move forward in different ways. And so I think that in a lot of ways, it's really illustrative of what needs, what we need to focus on within ourselves so that we don't get stuck, so that we don't play out those roles that we saw our grandparents, great-grandparents, maybe even parents playing out. Oh, for sure. I think so often we put too much weight on that next decision. Like mm-hmm. you're talking about, like if we, you know, what if we just said, I'm going to, there, are, I have a lot of unanswered questions about how I might like this next thing. I'm just going to go for it and get my questions answered because the uncertainty will stay if I don't take some kind of action. I've, I've even been talking, so I have uh, boys who are 23 and 21. So they're in the, and one is very entrepreneurial and one is job oriented. And uh, so I've been telling them this so much, like, this next step is not the decision that you're making for the rest of your life. You're just gathering information. And so just make a move, like just do it. Take the weight of feeling like this decision is like, is handcuffed you for, yeah, like you said, the next 20 years. I also think about um, my dad, who is obviously older and, you know, I have had, I've been a coach and had this business for more than 20 years and he's still, you know, I'll, I'll tell him about a new client or something and he'll say, oh, well, maybe they'll hire you. <laughs> And I'm like, oh yeah, well, even if they wanted to do that, that's not happening, you know, <laughs> not the goal. But yeah, so there is that mentality. But it's funny because, you know, my kids grew up, you know, I've been a business owner since they were very little. And um, so they, you know, they haven't lived a life with me as, um, you know, someone going to work and, and they still, yet they still have that thing of, ooh, this next decision is like for the rest of my life. <laughs> Well, I think that society puts a lot of pressure on kids. Like I, you know, we, you have to choose what you're going to study in college or, I mean, we're always focused on the next, I mean, not we as in parents, but we as a society are always focused on this next step for kids. Like, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? And, oh, look at that. You're 21 and you should know it all. And it's like, what do you mean? You haven't even had any real jobs yet. Like, even if you've had internships, those are not like real substantive jobs. And I I think if anything, I would just love to tell every like 18 to 25 year old, it's okay. You don't have to succumb to that pressure of like acting like you need to know everything because it's hubris to think that you could. Yes. Yes. And thank God they don't have a mom who's doing that. But yeah, they definitely, but I, you know, I think um, that is part of it though. I think parents, again, same thing. Like what are other people going to think this might have, uh, you know, have people have a view of my parenting because if they're not, you know, in the job and making a ton of money right away and out of college and all of that. Yeah. Just so much pressure. Oh man. But I guess we're getting a little sidetracked. (laughs) 
was talking about parenting, but I, uh, you know, there, yeah, there's, I think also though, it's highlighting the importance of the work that you're doing, right. um, you know, gain clarity, take the steps. So for you, when you were starting your business or moving into this work, what was the biggest internal or external challenge that you had to overcome and how did you overcome it? Oh, so I think the biggest thing is that I needed to find my own voice and be really comfortable with using my voice. And it's funny because if anyone was listening to this who knew me, they'd be like, Becca, you've always had a strong voice. I mean, I had a strong voice when I was like 18 months old. (laughs) And so mom, if you're listening to this, I know, (laughs) but I feel like I needed to feel comfortable with not worrying about what, whether other people agree with uh, whether other people like approve, like that approval thing is just so deep in us. And I think it makes sense. You know, it's nice to have approval. So when we get approval, we get the like endorphins and all the good hormones going through our bodies. So it's hard not to want it. And I think that I really had to recognize where subconsciously I might be holding my back myself back because I wasn't sure whether I was going to get approval. Oh, that's very insightful. I think that is something that stops so many. I mean, if we add in the social media thing, you know, I, I I think that social media sometimes can have us accident, you know, without intentionally and without intent worrying about even people that maybe we knew years ago that aren't even in our lives. Cause you think about like, Oh, what are they going to think if they see this on social media? And it can either be what are they going to think of me? What if they don't think I'm successful? Or what if they have the discomfort of feeling like I'm very successful and they're not, or I'm trying to brag and they're feeling bad. Or I just think of all the ways that we can be impacted by, by what others are thinking. And you might do the same, but I encourage clients to really be clear about who their trusted advisors are. And that has to be a very coveted role because there are a lot of people that will be very motivated to speak into our lives. But if we start to try to listen to the ideas and opinions of a whole bunch of different people, we're going to end up in that swirling place. But if we're very clear and have even a definition of what it takes to be a trusted advisor in our lives, then we can listen to them because they're going to, you know, be knowledgeable, have good intentions, not have possibly other things swaying their opinions, some knowledge of the area, et cetera, our best interest at heart. But so if we if we leave that coveted role to a few specific people, the other people, you know, maybe take a quick listen, but it doesn't get the weight of a trusted advisor. I love that. And I think that one of the key things of that is having a few of them because mm-hmm. the, because even the most trusted advisor, if you only have one, it's really hard not to pivot towards them. And I think sometimes women, especially end up gravitating to one mentor. And then when they start realizing that that's not their life path, or they want to do something different, it becomes like the sticky, messy um, space in their lives. And having a few really helps maintain the, your own autonomy, your own ability to pick and choose what advice you're going to take, what path you're going to take. Yes. Well, and a key component of a good trusted advisor is someone who's not going to be offended if you don't take their advice, right? They have to give it freely and then release and not have any of that extra guilt or anything attached to it. No extra weight. (laughs) You're still free to move. So tell me, how do you stay motivated and moving during tough times? 
you know, I think it's important to recognize that sometimes I don't, you know, we do have those periods of times where, you know, sometimes you're just surviving. And I think that it's important to acknowledge because I think sometimes as coaches, people will look at me and be like, oh, you have it all together. And I'm like, well, you know, if we go back to that period of time where my kid had a million ear infections and really it was like a year of ear infections and, and I was recovering from a hip injury at the same time. So like was in physical therapy and all these, like I was doing Pilates. There was a lot of different things I had to do to like maintain my own peace within my body. And I think sometimes it is okay if you're really just getting through. I think that the, it is also though important to recognize when though that is happening, that you are doing as much proactively to get to the other side. And you can actually just really focus on the fact that I am doing what I need to, to get to the other side. And when I get to the other side, then I can start bringing things back in and then I can really move forward, but it's okay to feel all the feelings if it is a dark time. Yes. Give yourself freedom to have those tough times. And yeah, uh, sometimes our movement or the things we need to do can look very quiet because maybe they're contemplative. Maybe they're napping. Maybe they're, you know, just crying for a bit and letting out emotions. Yeah. I tell my clients, like, let's just call this a cocoon phase, you know, cause I feel like we live in such an instant gratification world. And again, the whole, like, what are other people going to think about us? The guilt about not being busy and multitasking and using every moment efficiently. And I'm using air quotes there. Cause our definition of efficient, a lot of times can come from others, but sometimes best use of our time is really, really quiet and looks like not much activity, but it's the activity that's required in the moment. Exactly. Yeah. So what words of wisdom would you have for others who are working to make their own impact? Your voice is needed. Not just like it's nice to have, but it's needed in the world. And if you are trying to have impact, really get comfortable with using your own voice and get comfortable with what makes you special. Because I think that so many people really struggle with seeing what is their special sauce, you know, like what makes them impactful, what makes them resonate with other people. And, you know, I have this experience over and over again, where I'm talking to a new client and as I'm talking to them, they're telling me their stories. And as they tell me their stories, I'll every once in a while, wait for a break and be like, Hey, So have you seen that that thing is a strength of yours? Like you're talking about it, but like, really that's special. That's awesome. And they'll almost inevitably look at me like, yeah, I mean, I know I'm good at it, but there's always that, but like, but it's not special because it comes easy to me is really in the back of their minds what is going on. And so the things that make you special, the things that you are great at are going to come easy to you. And it's easy to overlook them because they are coming easy. And so really taking a look at the things that come naturally and really spending time with that, valuing it, owning it, I think is the best way that you can make impact. That's so good. Yeah. And not only do we miss out on what we're really good at because it's easy. So we think it's not special and that everyone can do it, which is not true. Then we covet other people's gifts. (laughs) So then we have that wasting time on that and feeling like, oh my gosh, like how awesome would it be? And you know, (laughs) exactly. Well, you know what else also happens is like, you'll get annoyed at other people that don't have the things that come easy to you. Like, you know, it's like, why didn't you, you know, I see, I hear this 
when people tell me work stories, they get mad at the person who has completely different strengths than them. Instead of just valuing that person's strengths, they're trying to make them into a mini me. And that doesn't work either and ends up creating so much friction. So I think that the more that you can really embrace your own strengths, also, the more that you can see and notice other people's strengths just as the gifts that they are. That's great. Yes. Appreciate others instead of feel frustrated with them, especially if you're, yeah, I have business partners coming to me with like, oh my gosh, they're driving me nuts. And I'm like, okay, you know, the good news is you are different and you need both of you. And it's just a little mindset, mindset tweak. And then all is well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Becca, for all the information that you shared for the uh, listeners. And uh, we will have all of these links on today's show notes, but Becca, let people know where they can find you and your clarity, the clarity journal. So the clarity journal is easy to find on Amazon and you can find me at Becca ribbing.com. Awesome. Well, that is super easy. So on today's show notes, we will also have her Facebook, her Instagram, her LinkedIn and her Twitter. So if wherever you connect with people, definitely connect with Becca. If you are someone who is struggling with the next steps and just feeling like you're and definitely either grab that the clarity journal or get in contact with her for some personal support in gaining clarity. So you can be fully tenacious and make your next steps and the world is waiting for your impact. So to find today's show notes, you can go to defeatthedrama.com, click on the podcast tab, and then go to episode 279. And if you are working hard to make your impact and struggling with building a team, gaining clarity, uh, communicating well, all of those kinds of things. I encourage you to go to myimpactacademy.com forward slash join. You can get two weeks free. You also get time with me every other week to strategize and network with some really awesome people who are also working to make their impact in the world. So definitely check it out. It is filled with hundreds of resources that I've created over more than 20 years. You can find video, audio, PDF downloads, everything you need uh, to really move powerfully forward. So thank you so much for listening. Get out there and make your impact and make it a great day. 